A good haircut can be a game changer. I mean, everybody wants to look their best for those social media pics, right? So get yourself to Sport Clips at Sport Clips Haircuts. They hair do like no one else hair does. See what they did there? Not only is it the home of champion haircuts, but they've also made relaxing and unwinding the name of the game. Level up your haircut with the MVP haircut experience. It's a spa day for your follicles. Check this out. You get a seven pressure point massaging shampoo along with a perfectly steamed hot towel all while sports plays on the TV. Does it get any better than that? No. You can want it all and have it all at Sport Clips. It's a game changer. This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Plus, auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Quote now at Progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates, national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. The Jericho Network on Westwood One. All right, the last time Robert Trujillo was on Talk is Jericho, he was telling us all about the documentary he was producing on legendary bass guitar player Jocko Pistorius. Now, Robert has returned because the documentary is finally done, and it's making its big premiere this Sunday night in Los Angeles at the Ace Theater. There's going to be a screening followed by a special concert featuring Robert Trujillo and some of his musician friends, including... uh, He's going to tell us all about those friends. He's going to talk about his time with Ozzy Osbourne, working with Jerry Cantrell of Alice in Chains, what he thinks about his former bandmate and current bandmate in a lot of ways, Brooks Wackerman joining Avenged Sevenfold. Oh, yeah, and we'll, we'll talk about the other little band that Rob's doing. A studio update on Metallica's new record. That's right, Metallica is making a new record, and Rob Trujillo is going to tell us all about it right here on Talk is Jericho. Now, Rob's not the only one getting his rock on. Fozzie is as well. We are in Europe right now. I'm in Hamburg for the Cinderblock Party Tour. The only reason I'm still rocking with Fozzie at the highest of levels is because of Diamond Dallas Page and DDP Yoga. It's true. It's true. DDP Yoga saved my music career and my wrestling career, but I'm not the only one who had his life changed thanks to DDP Yoga. Stacy Morris also experienced the life-changing benefits of DDP. DDP Yoga. Stacy had weighed over 300 pounds for more than 20 years of her life, and even though she lost 100 pounds two separate times, it came back. The weight came back the very next day. She couldn't keep the weight off. She had pretty much given up, and then one afternoon while watching Oprah, she heard singer Carney Wilson talking about a man named Diamond Dallas Page, my good buddy, who had helped Carney change her life. That inspired Stacy to give it one more try. She started DDP Yoga in 2009, weighing, get this, 345 pounds, all right? And in just 18 months, she lost 185 pounds, went from a size 28 to a size 8. Yes. Six years later, she still kept the weight off and continues to live the healthy lifestyle that DDP Yoga guided her to. So I'm here today telling you guys that DDP Yoga was the answer for me. Just like it was the answer for Stacey Morris, Jake the Snake Roberts, Scott Hall. Tens of thousands of other people are doing this program. It's working for them, and it can work for you as well. In fact, I want to hear your DDP stories. Tweet them to me at Talk is Jericho and use the hashtag podcast one, and you could win a copy of the DDP Yoga program autographed by Diamond Dallas Page himself. That's right. Just tweet me your DDP Yoga story at Talk is Jericho and use the hashtag podcast one for your chance 
chance to win an autographed DDP yoga program. A winner will be chosen at random, and you still have time to experience your own DDP yoga story because DDP is giving you guys a tremendous deal on DDP yoga. The sexy beast talk is Jericho. Listeners, just go to ddpyoga.com slash Jericho. Take advantage of a great deal. That's ddpyoga.com slash Jericho. DDP yoga changes lives. DDP yoga saves lives. DDP yoga made my life better, and it can do the same for you. ddpyoga.com and do it now. Talk is Jericho, baby. Talk is Jericho. Welcome to Talk is Jericho, the pot of thunder and rock and roll. The remedy for boredom has arrived. The People's Podcast is here. Let's go for a ride with some bad tattoo and Fozzie.
I love that tune. We're playing it every night here on the Cinderblock Party Tour. Rich is rocking it on the uh, on the um, theremin, and the people are going bananas. Great, great rock and roll band. And speaking of a great rock and roll band, maybe the greatest. I'm talking about Metallica. I'm talking about Robert Trujillo, the bass player for Metallica, returns to talk as Jericho today. Actually, Robert and his son Ty and wife Chloe and daughter Lula Trujillo are all here today. It's a family affair. Robert's documentary on Jocko Pistorius is done, premiering at the Ace Theater in Los Angeles this Sunday night. He's doing a screening followed by a special concert featuring Robert and some of his musician friends, including the new drummer of Avenged Sevenfold, Brooks Wackerman. Gonna be a good time tonight if you live in L.A. and you can join. There's still a couple tickets available at acehotel.com. And if you can't make it on Sunday night, don't worry. The Jocko documentary will be out on DVD on Black Friday Record Store Day, November 27th. The soundtrack will be available then, too. We talk about that in this interview as well. And Jocko will be out on video on demand on December 1st. Robert spent six years working on this documentary about the influential bass player, Jocko Pistorius. Robert tells us all about the process, and he also gives us a huge studio update on Metallica's new album. That's right. Information you'll only hear here on Talk is Jericho. Before we get to Robert, I've had uh, quite a busy week. Not only are we uh, rocking it, I uh, did Hamburg last night. We have done uh, Vienna, which was a great show. Hamburg is a great show, too. And we also played uh, Rotterdam, Augsburg, Germany. Love being on tour. It's a great, great uh, package. Fozzy, Nonpoint, and Sumo Psycho. If you are in the vicinity where we will be playing, you have to come rock with us. The new VIP program is great, too. We actually do a little private mini-concert for the VIPs. I got that idea actually from KISS, who do a, a, a mini-concert for the VIPs as well. So mini-concert, Q&A, trying to make it uh, the best fan-friendly VIP experience in the world. If you have been to VIP before with Fozzie, this is better. If you haven't, come check us out. You will love it. I guarantee it. But before that, uh, last week, I hosted the Classic Rock Awards in the Roundhouse in London. And what an amazing night that was. I mean, I've hosted the Golden Gods in the States four years in a row. And then I did the Metal Hammer Awards also in London. I ho hosted the Podcast uh, Awards earlier this year as well. So I have the experience of hosting. And there's a definite art form to it. It's not easy. I, mean, I think people sometimes think, oh, I'll host the show. It won't be, uh, won't be so hard. But there's a lot of pressure to it. And you really have to uh, keep the vibe rolling. And you have to be the party host. And you have to keep the ebb and flow of what's happening. Uh, if people are talking long, you have to try and uh, corral that situation. If they talk too short, sometimes you got to um, kind of pick up the pieces and improv a bit. Now, add all of those things together and, and plus uh, throw into the fact that I'm doing this in front of Alice Cooper, who I know. He's been at all the award shows before. Lemmy, uh, a friend of mine, was on Talk is Jericho, obviously. Also, uh, you know, Joe Satriani is there and... Um, you know, Bruce Dickinson and Rod Smallwood and all these kind of music moguls. But of course, also in the mix, Brian May and Jimmy Page are also there. Now, you know, uh, Brian May's from Queen, Jimmy Page is from Led Zeppelin, if you don't know. Two of the biggest bands of all time and two of the most influential guitar players of all time, both of them winning awards. So I have to now do my shtick, which is a lot of comedy, a lot of self-deprecating humor, a lot of fun. 
but I want to make sure that those guys um, know this because I think when you get in those positions, the rock royalty, people are like, well, you got to kind of walk on eggshells around Jimmy. You know, you got to make sure that, uh, you know, you don't say anything that might rock the boat. I'm like, walk on eggshells around Jimmy. I mean, he was in Led Zeppelin. You know, they used to uh, insert, you know, <laughs> sea creatures into orifices of uh, – the female uh, persuasion. I don't think you really have to worry about walking on eggshells around him, you know, and, and Queen. I mean, my goodness, Freddie Mercury was their singer. You know that they had some crazy times. But I, I just think you want to make sure that everybody's comfortable and that everybody has fun. So I made a point of this as uh, everybody was kind of getting together. It was a really nice uh, setup in the roundhouse. They had tables there. Everybody sat down and had dinner beforehand. Uh, Yoshiki from X Japan opened up by playing this beautiful piano piece. Uh, you know, it was just, it's just a really, really kind of a classy thing. So what I did though beforehand is I went and introduced myself to Jimmy because I wanted him to know who the hell I was when I was up on stage talking. And I figured, you know, if I have a little bit of support from Jimmy Page and I've introduced myself beforehand, then, um, he'll be a little bit more apt to, you know, laughing at my bad jokes, which he did. Same thing with Brian May. So I made a point of going over to say hi to both those guys and, um, had a nice little chat with both. Both were super friendly. Uh, actually, uh, Jimmy Page talked to me about Paul Stanley's son, Evan, who's a guitar player in his own right, and thought he was a good guitar player, which I thought was a pretty great endorsement. Then I talked to Brian May about uh, just life, and I said, you know, uh, I just talked to Jimmy, the other gray-haired, uh, long-haired guy. He's like, oh, we, I prefer Silva Fox. So I thought that was pretty funny. So call Brian May Silver Fox, not a uh, gray-haired guy. So then I went and, uh, you know, cut, uh, did a couple bits to – open up the show and I decided I wanted to do a little bit of a comedy thing uh, by writing some song lyrics. So I said, I'm so excited to be here. I'm going to write some song lyrics. I wrote a song for this. Would you like to hear it? And of course, people cheer. And I'm like, good. I'm glad because I'm going to read it anyways. And it is, welcome to the Classic Rock Awards. How in the hell are all of you? This is the only place where it's cool to debate the minutia of Zeppelin 1 and Zeppelin 2. A magical night where rock is right and the metal shine to a glossy sheen. The only place where it's legal to put one direction in Alice's guillotine. The maidens look hot and the harlots are clean. Jimmy's here in spirit, but the kings are really queen. Deacon Taylor is preaching. The mercury's rising. There's only one month that matters. It's May. All the stars are here except for Dave Grohl. Thank the Lord. That dude can talk all damn day. My name is Chris Jericho. Who the hell is he? You might have said. Well, I'm the guy who's hosting this show and I love Motorhead. I want to be as cool as Lemmy, legendary, sexy, and hot. But instead, I ended up just the opposite, a scarf-wearing twat. And that got a nice laugh. <laughs> and we're up to the, off to the races to uh, have a great time at the Classic Rock Awards. So it was a really great experience. I got a chance to see Bruce Dickinson, uh, talk as Jericho alumni who came and went very quickly, which is Bruce's uh, way. And got a chance to talk to Rod Smallwood, who's another uh, good friend of mine. And I uh, told a great story about how Alice Cooper ruined my first date, about how I took this girl uh, to an Alice Cooper concert for our first date in February of 1987. Don't know exactly why. I thought that would be a good first date, especially since she didn't even know who Alice was. She was calling him Alice uh, and the Coopers. But I took her to the show and I got uh, got us front row, or sorry, fourth row tickets. I waited all night to get these tickets in the Winnipeg winter. And the big jackets at the time were called Sun Ice jackets. 
they're really fancy. Like if you had a sun ice jacket, you knew that your parents had money or that you had saved up a lot of money to get the very warm kind of uh, ritzy hoity toity uh, ski jackets. So of course she wore her ski jacket. It was a date. I wasn't exactly the hottest prospect in the school, but I was all right. So she was excited as she very well should be. So we go to the Alice Cooper show and uh, sitting in the fourth row and I'm really excited to have her and, you know, Alice does his bit and there's a point where he has like a, a nurse and he cuts the head off the nurse and then all this blood just starts spraying in the crowd. Like if you ever go to an Alice Cooper show, people have um, like plastic garbage bags over their head so they don't get doused with the blood. Well, I didn't know any better. I'd never been to Alice Cooper before and neither did my date and all the blood went right all over her sun ice jacket and she got so upset that she got up and ran out of the uh, of the concert and Alice ruined my first date as a result. So thanks a lot, Alice, you son of a bitch. <laughs> so that was a lot of fun. And then Jimmy got his award and Brian May got an award. And We Are Harlot, my buds and We Are Harlot won an award. And it was just a really cool, magical night, which was a lot of fun. And then after we went and celebrated at the Sanctum Hotel in London, which is partly owned by Rod Smallwood of Iron Maiden. And I think we're actually going to have a Fozzie after party there after our gig at the Islington Academy on November 26th. It's a very cool kind of a rock and roll type atmosphere. So we're going to have uh, we're going to have the whole gang come on up there afterwards. So stay tuned here for more details about the Fozzie after show or go on my Twitter or go on the Facebook or all that other stuff. So anyways, yeah, the Classic Rock Awards, huge success. Got a lot of great feedback. A lot of people said that I was... Uh, a great host and one of the better hosts that they've had. So hopefully they'll invite me back to do it again next year. I mean, I did golden gods four years in a row, so you never know. Maybe I'll get a chance to do, um, do the classic rock awards again. And if not, it was a great experience, great time and led me to, uh, an awesome tour here in Europe, who was also at the show doing the final countdown. All right. So we had Hamburg, uh, last night. And then tonight, we are going to be in um, Berlin. So a lot of great shows coming up on the tour. And a great show coming up today with Robert Trujillo, his wife Chloe, his son Ty, his daughter Lula. It's the whole fam damnly, and they're very, very talented. Rob and Ty are musicians. Rob says Ty is already a much better bass player than Robert ever was at such a young age. We'll have a quick conversation with Rob's son to find out what his favorite band is. Also, Chloe's an amazing artist. Check out her stuff at ChloeTrujillo.com. Uh, she does a lot of uh, art, and she does uh, like scarves and a lot of clothes. Go check her out as well talk is jericho all right so we're here um with uh actually the whole trujillo family and you guys <laughs> have the best hair of any family i've ever seen like it's amazing <laughs> the hair tribe <laughs> the in hair full tribe. effect yeah everybody's yeah. happy now i had to get them some some pastries and some fruit and they're all excited but we're yeah. here man to talk about it's funny because you're on the show um i don't know about six months ago or so yeah, when you were putting together the Kickstarter program for the Jaco Pistorius movie, and now here we are, it's all finished and ready to go, and the release is happening. That's right. Um, it's a bit of a miracle because I've been on this journey now for almost six years, and uh, it's it's very exciting, you know. But at the same time, you know, it's like it's like you've gone to to university and you know you just finished all your schooling and now you're graduating and but in a way it's kind of like the films like your kid or something you know right. you've had it for, with you and it's been a part of your life 
and uh, you've taken care of it, and you've nurtured it, and now you're setting it free. You know, it's yeah. like you know, it doesn't belong to you anymore. It doesn't. Right? Yeah, it's gone to you know, done its thing, gone to school, and now you're okay. Go on, move out, move out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> go get a job. Yeah. So six years you've been working on this whole thing. Yeah, that's right. That, that, that's amazing to me. So, uh, what, did you think it was going to be this hard when you first got the idea to do it? No, you know, I, I actually, you know, I, I get very passionate about things creatively, and then um, I just sort of jump in the water and swim. And uh, and I always say it's like I went to film school for documentary filmmaking for six years just now, you know, because right. I know, I kind of know everything about it, and uh, it's very rewarding, but um, it's also very stressful because. My job has been to um, – well, I, I'm the uh, the executive producer, if you, you want to say. Mm-hmm. And then – but at the same time, you know, you want to keep the peace and keep everybody happy and, and also creatively stay involved but also listen to everybody else and their input and try and balance it all. You know, I have a wonderful uh, director in Paul Marchand who was always the editor and um, – he he's amazing creatively and he's an incredible editor but a lot of times when i had ideas you know as as artists and being creative you know you 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 sometimes you're going to bump heads right there's going to be that tension it's just like making an album sure you know i mean it's like lars and james and (laughs) and that whole situation so there's there's some compromise and um a lot of sometimes almost like creative negotiating. So I would do that in the water because he learned to surf in the time that we've been making this film. And oh, really? Yeah. So he's <laughs> a good surfer now, but to get what I want or to get him to try certain things, I would go surfing with him. You know, waves are good. He'd get a good ride. And I'd say, hey, you know, that's, you know, <laughs> we got to try and get Getty Lee back in there. And, you know, he said some incredible things. And, you know, it'd be really great to uh, revisit this mm-hmm. and that. Yeah, you right after a good wave. Yeah, you know what? But if he had a bad surf, if he had like, a bad no. surf, then he probably wouldn't want to do no it. You know? See, and that's the thing about it is that this is your idea, this is your brainchild, but you have to put it in the hands of a pro who knows how to make a documentary. Right. So I'm sure at some points it's hard to have to like say like, oh, he knows, but I, this is my vision. Right. Yeah, that you're balancing the vision, and and at the end of the day. Paul is the one who's bringing it to life on the screen mm-hmm. and the magic that you know comes to life is what he created in that way you know because technically and just artistically there's a whole you know it's like when we play our instruments or when we're making music you know that's our art that's what we do we know how to do it you know mm-hmm. he knows how to do that so I mean the only time he took a break in the six years which was semi long term was he took six months to go edit for martin scorsese so it's kind of like you know <laughs> yeah yeah this it, little editing gig i gotta and, do for and he this needed guy. that too because he sure. was literally gonna go nuts and so it was perfect because it, it's hard to like when you when you do a record or write a book or anything that you're spending a lot of time with after a while you start psyching yourself out like i remember like on some of the books i've written you sit there for like an hour should it be the or and the or and and you start right. driving yourself crazy where you have to just get away from it for a oh, while yeah, yeah. and come back to it with fresh eyes and ears yeah it, it it's that's how it is you know anything that you're creating i mean i know even with with i mean i'm sure with paintings and stuff like my wife's an artist mm-hmm. and i know i notice she's got like five or six different paintings going on and i'm thinking like well why doesn't she just work on one painting and uh <laughs> 
yeah. you know, and finish it. And yeah, you can't. You right? know, yeah. I you mean, have to get away from it and leave it alone, right? I sometimes even turn them around and right. look at them so I can just cleanse your palate, right? Exactly. I mean, well, when she was doing the poster for the Chloe did the uh, the art for uh, the Jaco Pastorius poster. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of symbols. And, you know, and I'm just, like, impatient. It's like, I mean, I, I'm i blessed because she did an incredible job. But at the same time, you know, I'm just like, let's do this. Let's do this, you know. <laughs> yeah. And it takes about a week. Yeah, and that was her on, like, overdrive, you know. <laughs> yeah. So you mentioned before, and we, and we talked this last time, but, but a lot of the people that you had involved with the movie, you, you just said Getty Lee. Did you go back and get another interview with Getty? Well, Getty gave us a great interview. I mean, it took a year to get him because he doesn't live here, you know? Yeah. And, and we can't just go up to to Canada, um, you know, to get him. You know, we, we don't have the budget. That almost happened with Joni Mitchell. We were almost going to have to go up there, and it scared us really bad <laughs> because of the financial situation. To go but to Canada? We, we almost were going to have to to interview her, but at the end, uh, she agreed to interview in Los Angeles at her home because okay. she has another house up in northern Vancouver. Gotcha. So Getty was coming through town, you know, um, with Rush, obviously. This would have been about three years ago, and yeah, we were able to get him. And, um, you know, he, he's, a, he's such a legend. I uh, grew up listening to Rush. Um, I used to play La Via Strangiato, with, <laughs> you know, when I was in high school and YYZ. And, um, and actually, Ty's playing. Yeah, your son, yeah. who's 11, is playing bass now. Yeah, my son has a band called The Helmets, and, uh, <laughs> and he, he writes um, most of the music. But he's been working on YYZ for, for a little while now, right, Ty? He's like, yeah. He nodded, he's, yes. He's got his yogurt. He yeah. doesn't care. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it's, it's, I, I learned that song when I was like 17 or something, or 16, and he's learning at age. When did you start learning it? At 10? 11. 11, okay. So right. let me ask this just a quick segue. Is he a better player at 11 or 10 than you were? Absolutely. I didn't know what a bass was when I was wow. his age, you know, and, uh, you know, it's, it's pretty amazing. Isn't it funny because Mike Portnoy's son, Max, plays drums and Mike says the same. Max is better at 15 than mm-hmm. I was when I was 15. Right, right. And maybe because they grew up with their fathers playing and it just kind of sunk into their to their psyche or something along those lines. Yeah, I think just, you know, you kind of absorb all that growing up. Ty, at a very young age, I mean, he... I remember he would watch, like, we had Led Zeppelin videos or Jimi Hendrix, and he had a toy plastic guitar that he would actually kind of imitate Jimmy Page or Jimi Hendrix watching uh-huh. as a baby already. I think it was in him. Well, then he started, then he started pl- playing drums. Drums, yeah. Like, um, so he had that he always since he was drummer. a kid, yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's what you're saying, just from growing up around yeah, that. Yeah, you know, just absorbing it. And and then I don't push my kids into anything specifically, you know, as long as they're happy. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, so my daughter, with with art, she loves it. It's she very loves music, family, but yeah. we don't push her right. into it. We don't push our kids into it. So it's great to see that they're 
embracing things and, they and like. And also the different generations of how you said you learned Getty's parts, now he's learning Getty's parts. But Getty was a big, huge Jocko fan. I, I, remember right. I know that name because I used to read about it in Getty Lee interviews. Right, yeah, that's true. And that was what I wanted to convey in this film. I wanted people to 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 understand and, and uh, hopefully discover that this person, Jocko Pastorius, was one of our biggest influences. Mm -hmm. You know, Flea from the Chili Peppers, Getty Lee. I've even heard John Paul Jones talking about him. Um, there's, I mean, it's it's almost crazy because there's just so many players that are rock players, or you know, or or R and B players, not just jazz musicians. And that's mm -hmm. what I wanted to to um, kind of show the world is like, hey, you know, this this guy. And he was even he says it in the film. He's like, he loves it all. He said, I played in a country band. Getty said that. Uh, no, uh, uh, Jocko. Jocko did. said. Yeah, okay. Jocko said, I played in a country band. It was cool. <laughs> so you know, and he grew up playing rhythm and blues. So. He wasn't like just this this one dimensional bass player, you know. He David Bowie wanted him to play in his band, you know. He mm -hmm. so, you know, I just wanted to share all of that with the universe. I was hoping somebody else would do it, but then everyone that tried to make the film couldn't couldn't get it done. You know, it was so complicated to to make this film between the family and Jocko's friends and just the it's it's it was a challenge but uh i i was fortunate to have been friends with the family and um and then i realized you know what it's on me yeah, <laughs> yeah. you have to do this yeah it's on me do you think maybe that it was uh, you were able to open some of those doors because you're a bass player as well oh yeah i mean it definitely helps you know um the, the one thing is that this is a great life story you know it it's uh it's 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 great for the bass community, of course, you know. But at the same time, I think it's great for anybody that really connects with a um, a, a, a wonderful story about a, you know a, a great American story, mm -hmm. you know, and someone who is who is a great composer and not just bass, but just a great you know composer and col and collaborator too. Because mm -hmm. you know when he collaborated with Joni Mitchell, he didn't really know much about her. You know, he just kind of started writing with her and creating same thing with ian hunter you know and he, ian hunter was a legend i mean oh, he he inspired you know the clash and uh queen you yeah. know and it, they, from mott the hoople yeah, yeah. mott the hoople right and david bowie and all these cats so um you know it was same with jocko jocko was really um like even paul mccartney had a lot of respect really and, and st stings in our film as well and um that's crazy and too. so yes we had quite an ensemble of uh, musicians uh, contribute and, and and nobody there wasn't anybody who didn't want to do it which is amazing in this day and age i think like you said probably everybody was waiting for this to happen and then when Robert, the bass player from Metallica. It's not like you're some guy, and not that there's anything wrong with it, some guy in a bar band or something. It's like Metallica's knocking, so I'm sure Sting or Getty will go, oh, okay, well, this must be something legit. It, it helps, definitely. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, I probably, I mean, it's safe to say that I wouldn't have ever been able to make this film if it wasn't for for the band, you know, for Metallica. And, um, and I mean, they've been really, really supportive. You know, we have a Metallica moment towards the end of the film not to give it away but mm. but uh i could never i mean if i did if i wasn't obviously in the band it could have never happened and and, and he, he couldn't have afforded to even do it you know what i mean and right the fact that people stepped up 
and in a way it's it's charitable you know to i mean licensing songs is incredibly expensive and you would never and, think that right right yeah you know i didn't i didn't think about all those things or or photographs or archival footage and yes. all that stuff costs a ton of money and that's why we had to do i had to do a pledge campaign and people don't understand like oh he's he's a rich you know yeah. rock star and it he's was like metallica i mean i i literally ran out of money and i had to to do that to uh to get to the finish line and that was just before we did south by southwest but it's really been great because we've been doing some film festivals around the world we just recently won the top honor at the uh athens international film festival and that was without anybody from the film being there to represent the film it just won on its own you know mm. it's like like i said you send the child out there <laughs> yeah. and he just won a medal he won a medal. He won the gold medal yeah, over gold in medal. Greece, you know, and <laughs> and and also at Asbury Park uh, Film Festival too. So that's always kind of nice. I mean, I'm not w- much for awards, but it's nice in a situation like this where yeah. people around the world embrace this film and uh, and uh, they're appreciating know. the film, the subject, and your work. And let's be yeah. honest. I say also, I see the in the very beginning of some like. I don't know, it was like trailer screenings and all this. It attracted a bunch of Metallica fans. Mm-hmm. But now there's actually more like a, all kinds of people that come to those screenings and discover Jacko. Some people that knew about Jacko, some people that were fans of Jacko. But then it also attracts like a whole younger generation that uh, are interested mm-hmm. and curious. Yeah, for me that... Th- I saw the... Just, you know. Yeah, that, I mean, again... For, in the beginning, it was more to see you. Like, yeah. oh, yeah. Robert yeah. Trujillo. And then they're like, forget me, forget about Robert Trujillo. I'm going with this dude, Jocko. Yeah. <laughs> no, but even the questions I noticed, because, mm. I mean, I haven't been to all the screenings, but I've been to a few in the beginning where, like, um, you know, just Metallica-related questions. Mm-hmm. and Or, you know, suicidal-related questions or whatever. You know, you the, yeah. Guy with a suicidal hat yeah. in the crowd, you know. Yeah. But uh, now it's like it's more, you know, like. What? But you get that too. Whatever opens the door. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. I mean, for me, what I got to say, and this is really important, and I might have said it in the last interview, and I've noticed it more when I listen to the the music of suicidal tendencies when I uh, reconnected with it. I mean, there's so much there that oh. is Jocko. It's like, oh, dude. you can't bring me down. The intro to that, I'm playing fretless bass. It's totally me doing my best, um, sort of Jocko, I guess you could say, but inspired. You know, on the Art of Rebellion album, um, yeah. wait, what's that song you like? Yeah. The, the uh, Asleep at the Wheel. I mean, it's, <laughs> it, yeah, Asleep at the Wheel. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm like, that's pretty cool that I was able to pull that in. And not to pat myself on the back, but I I always appreciate players that take their inspiration and use it creatively. And I know that's what someone like him would have wanted or what Hendrix would have wanted. You know, they would they would want you to not try to be them and learn their songs note for note. They would want you to take that that inspiration that you get from what they do and bring it to your own music. And I was proud that with even suicidal tendencies, it's all there. You know, I was like, wow, okay. Cause I, I re-embraced. Well, you know, what's funny is you just texted me this morning and said, check out this track. Come on, come over. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. With you and flea played it. So I yeah. went on and Googled it and I texted you right back. I said, now I understand 
where Infectious Grooves came from because right. that song is basically oh that's Infectious Grooves the way you're playing right. I get it that's Jocko yeah I mean that and that was originally the Chili Peppers were were going to cover that song for the soundtrack and they were in the middle of writing their songs for their next yeah. album because uh, you know Flea's been involved with with our film and basically you know about six months into all this it was just too hectic and and i got a text from anthony kita saying you know you know wow we're really we're really in in our situation creatively with the new song the new chili pepper songs and i know how it is when you're covering a song it's it's involved i mean when metallica covers a song it's not like you just go in on an afternoon right and you and you write you rewrite it and, and track it i mean it was it's it's always you know a journey so I get it. And then I ran into Flea, actually. The kids were taking a, a surf class down at Zuma <laughs> Beach, and his daughter was in the same class. And, you know, it's a few months after, you know, uh, Anthony had sent the, the text. It was maybe a, actually just a month later. And he says, hey, you know, I can do something if you want. He goes, I'd love to contribute. And I was like, oh, really? Okay. Well, maybe we can do something together, you know. And... um and a friend of mine, a really amazing bass player, Armand Sabaleko, um, who's just a phenomenal Cameroonian bass player, he and I, you know, ended up jamming with Flea. Flea's got this great studio in Silver Lake. And uh, Flea starts playing Come On, Come Over bass line, like an hour and a half in. And next thing you know, we're like jamming on that for like a half hour. And then that's what inspired, you know, we kept tracks, you mm -hmm. know, and then we started to build on it and um, and got the vocals in there. Whit Who's Crane, singing on that? Well, Whit oh, Crane from Ugly Kajoe yeah. and an amazing singer uh, who's also a great friend of ours. Great guy. Uh, um, and, and another guy called Benji from a band called Skin Dread. Know Benji, yeah. You know Benji, yeah. yeah. So Stephen Perkins from Jane's Addiction. We didn't have a drummer, and Stephen would call it like Chad Smith was supposed to come by, and he never did. Brooks Wackerman was on tour. Yeah. And, um, you know, Stephen, I think maybe we tried to call him early on in, in the day, but he wasn't reachable. Finally, he he calls back, and he's like, I'm on my way. So we're already an hour and a half into just spontaneous jamming and improvising, and he shows up. And jumps on the kit, and and we just started tracking, and that whole kind of collective we call it a, a, a like a funk rock collective is called Mass Mental, mm. and that has existed since like 1993. You know, so it's really great to have sort of taken that and brought it into this situation, and I think it happened. I mean, it's happened for a reason because naturally, I mean, it could have been the Chili Peppers, but it somehow it ended up. On my plate with <laughs> yeah. Flea involved and in the mass mental contingent. The so, mass mental. Yeah, uh, yeah. So. It's amazing to me, too. You mentioned Brooks. And actually, mm -hmm. last week on this show, a couple of weeks ago, Avenged announced on this show that Brooks is their new drummer. And it makes me smile that here you have the rhythm section from Groove Family Psycho, Robert Trujillo and, and Brooks Wackerman, right. now in the two biggest metal bands possibly in the planet of Metallica and, and Avenged Sevenfold, which is crazy. I mean, how do you – that's amazing. Well, you know, things happen – like I always say, things happen for a reason, you know, and, uh, and Brooks is, is a tremendous drummer. I mean, we, he started uh, – playing with infectious grooves when he was i think 15 years old yeah 
and that was the Groove Family Psycho album. And now he's got two kids. He's married. And um, it's just incredible to have been a part of his. What's yeah. that? Yeah, <laughs> so do you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like I joined Metallica. Yeah, of course. You know, my, my family now, and, and, and it's awesome. But to have been a part of his life and uh, seen him grow up, you know, from eight. Right. I mean, I knew. I mean, when we were. When I was in Suicidal Tendencies, we were rehearsing at Mate's studio, and there was this ripping drummer that I'd hear next door and I didn't know how old he was I just heard the drums and then I'd see these kids playing in the parking lot and there's this 14 year old and 13 year old kids and it was Brooks he was yeah. like this little <laughs> bad for good was the bad band. for good we was the band it, yeah. you know and little did I know that in a couple of years he would actually be playing in in uh, the infectious grooves and I remember we were auditioning a bunch of drummers and I won't mention their names because I don't want them to feel like I don't know, just to... to, to Sad. Yeah, but <laughs> he was going to be the drummer that was just going to kind of warm us up for the other guys. And and I, and I he, he was amazing, and the other guys were great too, but he was so amazing. And I remember saying, well, we got this tour coming up, but you know, you're really young. I mean, <laughs> and he kind of laughed, and he goes, he goes, hey, man, he goes, I... Because his brothers are all musicians. Yeah. His oldest, you know, they're all sort of like 10 years older Brother than him. Chad was in Zappa. Exactly. Right. And one of them's like a bass player, Bob Wackerman. And he goes, you know, I play with guys older than you, you know. And I was like, <laughs> so, you know, Brooks grew up playing drums at uh, on Zappa rehearsals, you know, as a five-year-old mm -hmm. you know, going on the kit. And I think Gail Zappa, uh, rest in peace, by the way. But yeah. Yeah, she yeah. remembered him as a as a little kid. Oh like, yeah, you know, that that was Chad's little brother, you know. And, <laughs> yeah, so. see, because you and Brooks also do. He's also in the Mass Mental contingency, yeah. correct? Yeah, he's been there. Uh, he's been there from the very beginning, way back. And and Stephen Perkins had done some recording with us as well, and obviously on this recent track. Mm -hmm. And Joey Castillo, Joey C, who Queens of Stone Age, mm -hmm. you know, and. Uh, you know, Eagles of Death Metal and many other uh, great bands. Uh, he he actually recorded some things with us. Roy, Roy Mayorga t uh, did a couple shows in Japan. So we've had a selection in, of some of the best drummers on the planet. But Brooks has been kind of the mainstay. You guys have been the duo, um, pretty yeah. much. Uh, we, I mean, we played last night. We played Ace of Spades for Lemmy. Uh, last night at Bass Player Live. Um, Let's talk about that for a second. So you, know. you really kind of are bringing the bass play, the bass, you know, uh, the concept of a bass player with the Jocko, and then you did the Bass Player Live, uh, a tribute to Lemmy. I mean, it's a small community, but bass players are kind of the forgotten men in rock and roll sometimes, and you're helping to change that. Yeah, you know, it's... It, I know, because <laughs> I started as a bass player, too, so I know. Oh, man. It, it, it's... <laughs> Yeah, that's who, right. Who, Unless you're Iron Maiden, right? Who's that guy? Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. I, that's, I, that's what always trips me out. I mean, I love Steve Harris is is another hero of mine. But, yeah, and um, and one thing I love about Steve Harris is that he was one of those cats that was like, you know what, you know, I'm gonna have a band and and I'm gonna be the man. <laughs> you yeah, know what exactly. I mean? I'm gonna control. I'm standing Everything. on the front of the stage in That's the center. Right. Yeah, and I, these are you know, and there's vocals. Uh, I'm going to have a hand in that. I'm a hand in this, and creatively <laughs> yeah. on all levels. And um, 
you know, obviously uh, th- that was the thing with Jocko is he was in a situation like a jazz situation, I guess you could say, with all these legends that were a lot older than him. And he just took it to the front of the stage, front and center, and put distortion on his bass and took off his shirt and did backflips off his amp. <laughs> and, and when I saw him, he had the bass at the Santa Monica Civic in 1979. He put the bass down, and then he ran to the other side of the stage, and he actually slid into the bass like it was sliding into home plate because he loved <laughs> baseball. And I'd never seen anyone do that. I still haven't seen anyone do That'd that. That'd be baseball spelled B A S S B A L. Exactly, and I'm sure <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. But but you know that's what I'm saying. Like with you know uh, Steve Harris and and Cliff Burton too. Cliff, oh, Cliff was totally you up know, front. Yeah, yeah amazing. Uh, you know that he you, with metal. You know he took that and he was like, I'm going to do it this way, my way, and I'm going to make the instrument melodic in this style and and I don't care what anybody says or thinks you know we're we're, we're doing it this way mm-hmm. and I always appreciate that and um to me those are the daredevils you know what I mean <laughs> yeah. the, and uh and and that's a beautiful thing at bet365 we don't do ordinary we believe that every sport should be epic every basket every game every point every play from the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. You know what's interesting? Um, I, I wanted to get your take on this. We, we were on the Kiss Cruise last week. We played on it. And I went and watched Kiss twice play. And mm-hmm. they did the, the album alive in its entirety. Gene Simmons, man... That guy is an unbelievable bass player. And I've always known it, uh-huh. but to see him play, super underrated as a bass player. Yeah, I mean, you, you know. What do you think? I, I, I agree. You know, he's uh, he's he's incredible because he's a businessman as well. <laughs> you know, he's, he's obviously very smart. And um, he is another daredevil in his performance. You know, obviously what he brought to the stage is is amazing too i mean breathing spitting right, fire right. and blood and all that stuff you know the theatrics is is amazing i'm too. talking about his choices but, for bass lines but his choices for yeah. bass lines are great they're mm-hmm. huge they're fat they're you know they they're simple but they're effective mm-hmm. and um and there's an art to that you know being simple but effective and dynamic with your note choice and all that it's it's not easy i remember in back in 1999, I was working with Jerry Cantrell um, in the studio, right. and we did an album called Degradation Trip. And and Jerry is a is an amazing, obviously composer, but his composition with bass is incredible, and mm. it's all centered around simplicity and using a specific note that creates. I, I, like creates emotion or something. It's just really amazing, you know. A song like Rooster, I mean, that's really very, very spacious and simple. But that's very difficult because you got the notes that you choose have to speak. Mm-hmm. And um, he is—he's just a great composer, you know. And, and there's an art to composition and how the the instruments all relate. And I know this because on the Degradation Trip record, I mean, he basically wrote all the bass parts. 
before I was even in the picture. I mean, I got this two-track demo that sounded horrendous, <laughs> but the, you know, there was the bass, and mm-hmm. he knew what he wanted. You know, and let me ask you this as, as a player too, because you've got so many different styles. We're talking infectious grooves or Metallica, or like for example, when you played on the Aussie on the Aussie record down mm-hmm. down to earth. How do you write your part for Aussie, knowing that maybe you're thinking, oh, I could do some crazy stuff here, or do you keep it keep it more? Groovy, or, or how were you working when you played in Ozzy's band? Well, for Ozzy, you know, you you had to have a balance between because um, Ozzy loves bass, so mm-hmm. he's not afraid. To, you know, he's played with Geezer Butler his whole life. Sure, and Bob Daisley too. Right? Bob Daisley, yeah. two of the finest bass players in rock and roll, and um, you know, very very unique players. So you know, they 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 let loose. You know, mm-hmm. when they put, you hear a song, they let loose. They, there's, there's a statement there, and um, and he loves that. So you have this freedom there, you know. But at the same time, you know, you've got to cater to the song. So that's the challenge: is finding that niche to where you can be just busy enough, but then you're still catering to the song. You know, you 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 listen to a song like Sato. I mean, you know, I, I don't know. For me, I love that song. Great that's too. Bob Daisley, but he's shredding yes i mean throughout the whole song and he's shredding with a pick but he sounds like he's playing with his fingers and i was always impressed by that with him and he did the same thing with rainbow i mean you know uh, we we uh metallica covered uh yes. a medley you know 10 minute medley yeah, yeah. off the dio <laughs> um the dio. compilation yeah and um and you know daisley all over that stuff you know what i mean on the original tracks so it was a lot of fun for me to. When you're playing those, you're like, "Holy shit!" Or do you rem- do you remember yeah. how intricate it is? It, it, it's intricate, you know, and it. it but it's funky, you know. Mm-hmm. Daisley was like a, a really, really, you know, funkified player, and uh, and that's the thing, you know. I I ran into to. I mean, Geezer's a great friend of mine, and he actually helped me out with this film a little bit too. Um, but uh, we ran into him in London on a flight. Um, he was doing Sabbath. That Sabbath show, Chloe, that you you guys went to at Hyde Park. Yeah, yeah. Walk from the hotel. I walked with the kids through the park, and well, Motorhead was playing too. And yeah, Soundgarden, Faith No More. Faith No More. Yeah. And then uh, Black Sabbath. It was great. It was wow. a beautiful sunny day, and then it started raining. The end of the Black Sabbath show started pouring rain. Of course it and, did. Yeah. yeah. And Ty, you know. That was part of the light show, Chloe. Yeah, yeah. No, and true, and yeah. I couldn't, I, uh, I couldn't be there because we were playing in Switzerland that night, and Lars and I were trying to figure out a way to play hooky to go see Sabbath. But um, <laughs> y- you know, yeah, I mean, so it, it, he said you well, saw we we ran into him, yeah, going back to that, and um, and during the flight, I was talking to him. You know, it's a long flight, and. Uh, and he was telling me, you know, that he was saying, who's going to carry the torch? Who's going to carry the torch, you know, after, you know, Metallica and all this. And I said, well, you know, trying to throw a bunch of band names out there, you know, it, and someone will carry the torch at some point. Yeah. You know what I mean? But it, it's, it, you know, stadium level. It's, it's, hard. it's hard, yeah, right. you know. Maybe, may, Ty, maybe you're going to carry the torch. <laughs> <laughs> right now he's sleeping on yeah. some chairs, but other than that, he had too many pastries. Yeah. <laughs> but th- that is yeah. a valid question, though, when you're talking about the state of, of rock and roll. Mm-hmm. And there's a couple, like when you're talking about download, all right, like this year again, it's Sabbath, it's Maiden, it's Ramstein. Ty's playing download this year. Is yeah. he? Yeah. You're playing download with your band? The helmets. Playing the helmets download. are playing download? Yeah. That's going to be a big show. 
You ready? Got to rehearse? You, you gonna bring it? Yeah. It's like, duh. <laughs> of course I am, dad. Dummy. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that's a valid thing. Like, yeah. when, when, those, when your band and Maiden and, and that sort of generation goes, who will be able to do that? Well, know? it's going to come from the youth, really. Yeah. And, and part of my whole thing is bringing awareness to the younger generation, you know. Mm-hmm. And, um, and hope, you know, that's why I love going to these schools of rock, you know. Where do you go to a lot of those? I, I, you know, I'm wearing a, a band right now from I when I did the Asbury Park. Lake um, House Music Academy. Yeah. Shout out to the Lake House Music Academy. Exactly. And, uh, <laughs> and it, was, it was great because I, I did a little Q&A with about 30 young kids. And none of them were older than 13 or 14. Mm-hmm. They were all super young. And it was such a great thing. And they, they performed for me. You know, they played a Foo Fighters song. And it yeah. was really, really, really tremendous. And um, and it, one of the cool things about the Jocko film is that Record Store Day, International Record Store Day, um, which is a vinyl movement, have embraced this film now for almost five years. You know, they've wow. been a part of this journey. And that's why I do special events for uh, Record Store Day, where I do uh, in stores and stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, and having that reconnection with music from the '70s and and uh, you know just going back '60s, whatever. I think that's great because it allows our youth and uh, to reconnect and hopefully creatively, you know, they want to start writing and and, and pull from all of that, you know, learning about it and embracing it and writing you know, new songs and stuff. Ty and I, when we, when we, when we're in the car, you know, oftentimes with our, in the CD player, we still got, by the way, we still have a CD player in in the (laughs) Subaru, which is rare, but we'll have like Miles Davis on there. We'll have, uh, um, you know, Queens of the Stone Age. We'll have James Brown, you know, um, we, we mix it up. Yeah. Um, you know, and then we'll have like Morbid Angel or, or, slayer you know yeah so we really we really mix it up and i think it's great for young people to reconnect and uh it's become more like that i remember when i was a kid and i'm sure for you you were either a metal guy or you were a pop guy i remember there's a big techno movement the 80s depeche mode that sort of thing and you couldn't cross the boundaries if you were metal you're a metal kid it's kind of gone away now it's just music at this point you know, I think those musical yeah. clicks have kind of disappeared. That's true. Um, you know, and, and that's because most of us grew up listening to a lot of different styles of music. Mm-hmm. And um, and then at some point, I think it got really compartmentalized, you know, because um, all those cats in the 70s, man, you know, they, they were they were creating because they were listening to radio that was playing everything from you know the grateful dead to right. to you journey know motown to, yeah, to, right. yeah early journey I mean, my first album I bought was Santana, you know. Second album I bought was Cool in the Gang. <laughs> there you go. Right, right. And there's you know. your bass. And I'm not style. talking about Cool in the Gang. Uh, I, I mean, I'm talking about Cool in the Gang, Jungle Boogie. Jungle Boogie, yeah, not Celebration. No, no. Open Sesame. Yeah. Open Sesame. Yes, he knows. Dude, a couple of years ago, I went to Van Halen 
when they did the different kind of truth tour, they put that new record out, and they had Cool in the Gang opening. Really? Yeah. And so many people were like, why would they have Cool in the Gang? I was like, you guys wait and see what's going to happen. Right. And they were so great. People right. were just going nuts because it's a party. Right. So then when Van Halen comes out, people are excited. And plus, Van Halen sounds as heavy as Slayer right. after Cool in the Gang. But oh, it was yeah. so good. You know? no, it, it was great. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's awesome. Um, you know, you pull from all that. I always say, you know... Uh, Bands like Slayer and even Metallica, like like a song like Disposable Heroes, you know, or Sad But True, and that's funky. You know mm. what I mean? You know, so Rain and Blood is the funkiest metal song ever. <laughs> you know? That is true with Disposable Heroes at the beginning. Yeah. Is that one of your faves to play? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I love playing that song. Yeah. How does that work with Metallica set-wise? Uh, set list wise, do you does does like uh, every night it's it's a different set, right? Do we you, we mix it up and um and lately we've been challenging ourselves. We played Freight Ends of Sanity on the last tour that we did in Europe, and that was a beautiful thing because almost thirteen years ago when I when I joined Metallica, one of my goals was to someday play that song and and actually um, Dyer's Eve, and you know. It was cool because they were opening to they were open to learning to relearning a lot of these songs from the past over time, hmm. and but Freight Ends was always the one that would that was never the holy be grail. It was yeah. never played live. It, never, yeah, and so it's great that uh, you know. What finally prompted prompted you guys to do it? I think we ran out of songs <laughs> to cover. You know that, <laughs> yeah. and the fans were just like enough. And since our our new album isn't finished yet, right. you know, you always want to take. We, we've been challenging ourselves too, so uh, it was time to do that. Especially since we've done Ride the Lightning in its entirety, yeah, and Master uh, we've in done its yeah, Master of Puppets, and then Kill 'Em All at Black the Orion album. Festival, yeah. Black Album, right? Yeah. All, yeah, the Kill 'Em All was great. Was it you guys are called Delane or Delorean or something? Oh, or? We're Dehan. Dehan. <laughs> Have you ever seen the video for that? It was at the Orion Festival. Uh oh. It, yeah. it was listed as Dahan. Yeah. And no one knows who Dahan is. And then you start seeing the hit the lights starts going and you see people running like an exodus across the field as fast as they can go. It's, ah, it's Metallica. We were talking about that yesterday. Yeah, because on the radio, uh, I think it was Dropkick Murphy. Yeah, Dropkick. At the same time. And so it, you know, the song, one of the drop. Murphy's songs played on the radio and we were talking about that and like oh my god they were playing and then Dehan started they, they were on the other stage and then across the field oh, yeah. just started, running like, yeah. it, and it, <laughs> was, it was insane yeah and what yeah, I'm hearing a bomb had went off on this side of the field yes. and everyone's trying to escape yeah, from it I remember seeing it from like the side of the stage you know up there I'm like oh my god you know like yeah. so nobody knew, no knew. Who, yeah I mean, I'm I'm like spread out so quickly, and I guess you know people with cell phones every day. Like, well, I'm hearing the, I'm I'm hearing this song on the radio, and I notice it was them, and I'm like, oh, these guys are really good, you know. And then I remember being on stage because I introduced them, and seeing the crowd into them, and you know, and really seeing them give all this energy in their performance. It was a pretty big crowd, and then. And then I then that triggered that moment where I was like, oh, I remember that. Oh man, I kind of feel bad now. It's like, what was your mindset to being kind of going under a pseudonym as Dehan instead of saying it's Metallica? Oh, I don't know. I was so nervous about playing um, uh, 
uh, you know, Cliff Burton's anesthesia pulling teeth, yeah. and, and that whole thing happened at the last minute, literally just a few days. Because uh, Cliff's dad, Ray, was on the side of the stage watching. And so was Flea. So was Flea. Flea and, Cl yeah. and, and, and Ray. He came to me and said, oh, my God, that was so great. You know, he was really... Yeah, that, that, no one's ever even tried to tackle that before. No, it, it 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 was a uh, it was interesting because she said it was a last minute thing. It was a last minute thing, and um, you know, you get that kind of pressure, and just just even spiritually, you know, it's just there's mm. just. But you know, it, hey, you know, like I said, you jump in the water and swim sometimes, and you give it your best, and uh, and. As long as Ray was happy and Flea too, Flea was like, "Man, that was cool." Like, and then I'll I'll take that. As what what an amazing up. thing to have those two guys yeah. standing there watching you, right? Yeah. And, how, how do you, how do you, yeah. I mean how do as far as anesthesia and pulling teeth? I mean, all all of us bass players look at it from afar. Is it as hard as it seems? Well, it, it's a it's it's a composition, you know, and and what that means is there is the the intro part, which is very specific. And then it goes into the fast part where there are these little moments where you need to hit those key moments because they're so memorable. Mm -hmm. But everything in between is you got to kind of step up and improvise that. Really? You know, okay. yeah. You know, because I'm sure Cliff, you hear 20 different versions of that song and there's going to be slight differences in what he was doing. And in, in, in that's all embracing the moment. Mm -hmm. So. I haven't done that in a long time, you know. I mean, Infectious Grooves, we, I used to do that, but it's been a while. So I saw you do it at the uh, anniversary show when the Finnish uh, cello band, they couldn't plug their cellos in or something. Oh, yeah. Remember you had to come out and kill some time? Like, literally, it was oh. like 20 minutes, and they're like, check one, check one. And James was like, can someone do something? And you oh, started playing Well, that. James was uh, trying to yeah, – I mean, he's telling jokes. He's, yeah, it was really – <laughs> And it was just uncomfortable, so it was like, well, you know what? I better do something, and I guess I'll do this. So. It was great, and, and yeah, Ray was there too. And yeah, Mike, Mike Borden, and you know, I think uh, Jim Martin was there. Is in San Francisco, so well, if there's a time to do it, let's do it now. Yeah. I'm glad it only went that far because at that time, I don't think I would have been able to go into the fast. Yeah, you went just to the slow part, yeah. and they fixed it. The cellos are fixed. Yeah. Hey, see you later. Perfect timing. Yeah, we were like, no, shut up, cellos. We want you to play more. How about the solo in Orion? That's a pretty uh, pretty intricate bass solo too. Or yeah. very memorable. Yeah, it, definitely. Again, melodic, you know. Um, there's even uh, some harmony there, you know. It, right. So it's a great orchestration. Cliff had a great sense of orchestration because he loved classical music. And um, and that's what Orion's all about. It's a, it's it's one of the the most incredible rock instrumentals ever you know especially for bass um you know it's funny cuz i feel i feel it's interesting actually cuz i feel blessed in that i can be in in a band that traditionally with cliff had embraced the instrument that way you know in composition and then even you know with my years in uh, working with mike muir and suicidal tendencies infectious grooves um, working with Ozzy and him being a fan of the instrument, and then um, even taking on a project, a film project about Jaco Pastorius, who again was someone who took that instrument. You know, I just feel blessed. You know, uh, that bass has been a part of my life. I remember 
seeing a baso at Cal Jam on TV, and that's kind of when I realized that, you know what, this is a great instrument. Who and, was it? And I think it was, uh, it, maybe it was like Rubicon or something, you know. <laughs> no, yeah, wait, wait, was it Rubicon? It was, uh, I just remember it was Cal Jam, and I remember seeing this guy get funky, and everybody, <laughs> it was just the drums, and and it was... It was really an eye opener because this is that's when it seventy five or something. Yeah, like this, right? yeah, but that's when I realized that all those grooves and you know and in that in the rhythm section was what was kind of taking me to another level to a different place, and um, and then hearing all that Motown stuff and and even Zeppelin, you know, a lot of the Led Zeppelin sure. music. You hear the bass and the guitars kind of. I mean, Jimmy Page is a tremendous player and everything, but you hear bass, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's all about well, the bass. Well, the rhythm bass. section of Zeppelin is what makes yeah, them so yeah, distinct, right? Yeah, definitely. Who's the Motown? Is it James Jamerson? Yeah, James Jamerson. He played on all of those, right? Yeah, and James Jamerson is like, you know, Geezer Butler, one of his, you know, big influences. That's what I was going to say on the plane that day. He was telling me that he's he really loves, you know, our rhythm and blues bass, you know, that's what he embraces, you mm -hmm. know, and that's where Jack Bruce from Cream came from and he inspired everybody. So it's all like a domino effect. <laughs> yeah, you know, everybody, yeah, yeah. All these people are, you know, completely yeah. uh, influenced by, uh, it all starts somewhere. Yeah, you know? totally. Yeah. You mentioned earlier uh, about, about, about the new Metallica records not finished yet and we were going to try and do this, this interview that we're doing today. We were going to do it last week or whatever and you got pulled away kind of last minute come to san francisco and record which is huge news and now the new metallica website uh has gone up there's a little clip with the producers greg fiddleman yeah mm -hmm. which is that was news as well yeah, everyone's yeah. wondering who's producing mm -hmm. so what's what's the status of the record Are you... well i mean you know we're we're uh you know we're having a great time it it feels great um you know we're still working it's gonna it's gonna be a little while. Everybody's got to be patient, you know. Mm. <laughs> but it's coming, and that's the beautiful thing, you know. Uh, so yeah, it's no secret we're uh, we're working hard, and getting pulled away from whatever I'm doing away from Metallica is not a bad thing because that means I'm getting pulled away <laughs> yeah. by the album. And, and I know sometimes the fans get a little fired up because. You know what's he doing this or what's he doing that? You know, it's like, hey, you know, I'm doing this and that, but I am. We are working hard on this record, you know. And uh, you're like a rock and roll doctor on call. Your yeah. beeper goes off. I gotta go to the studio. Yeah, exactly. So how is that? Are you working on uh, different songs together, or is it one song at a time? This one's done. Let's track it. No, I mean we're we're you know uh, you know basically you take it a step at a time mm -hmm. and uh, and you you jam through it you jam it you know and you get the right feel and and you know you guys it, go in the studio together there's the four and, is the four of you guys and, jamming or you just yeah it's all it's all centered around the jam mm -hmm. i mean and and that's where the magic comes from you know and and that's that's how we're doing it so how how do you are you writing your bass parts when you get like a james hetfield riff is he letting you say just rob put your stuff down or does he have like, yeah. an idea to put a part here yeah. or no, yeah basically you know just you know we're all we're all professionals yeah you know? <laughs> we're all you know it's what we do after all these years of doing it to you guys yeah. know each other really well well when i when i first joined the band you know the the and i mean i don't want to get too much into this because no 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 i understand manage might be like yeah, yo no, 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 no. but what i could say whatever you can say is when i when i when i uh first joined the band you know they they really had a lot of respect for me you know i had obviously had done this 
you know many times in my in my past and uh the pedigree was was fairly strong and who i had worked with so they trust me and there's that trust you know mm. you trust your brothers as musicians and your band and, and what they're going to do and then you work together i mean if something doesn't click you know you say it on all fronts you know whether it's a drum part or yeah, a guitar yeah. whatever you know it's that's how it is but, you're a team yeah you're a team how was it um, and we mentioned greg fiddleman as the producer not, not rick rubin how was it working with rick rubin i'm um, great i mean he was tremendous in uh helping us uh do what we're doing now mm-hmm. you know it's like every every little bit helps or a large bit helps everyone you ever want to look at it but uh it's all important to the big picture, and um, and he was tremendous. I mean, really tremendous for us. Like know. a motivator sort of thing. Oh yeah, with Death Magnetic. I mean, really, you know. I think that for me, I mean, that's really my first album with sure. the band, right? And having the sense of collaboration and being able, to, for me at least, using that as the launch pad to the future, you know, mm-hmm. creatively. You know, I think. That that was such an important album, and having him and I sort of joining the team at that point in time. It's been a while now, you mm-hmm. know. We, we've done a lot since then, a meaning that the band has. And I always look at it like, okay, there's Death Magnetic. That's a part of the launch pad, you know. Every, before that, of course, Saint Anger, but I didn't play on that, and I wasn't creatively involved in that. But after Death Magnetic, you know, we did cover. You know, Black Album in its entirety. Um, you know, uh, Ride the Lightning and even Kill 'Em All. And when you embrace some of those obscure, deep tracks that the band had never played live, you know, and you're and, and you're performing that and you're re-embracing it, that helps you creatively with what you're getting into in the next round. Mm-hmm. It all it all connects with it. You know, I heard something hilarious the other day, and I don't know if you've heard this or not. That the Beatles did their entire run as a band. In less time than it's taken between Metallica albums, you know. <laughs> Isn't that great? Uh, I was like, <laughs> yeah, it's like sixty-two to sixty-nine, and now it's like two thousand eight to open-ended, whenever it is. Well, I've been in the band for <laughs> in February; it'll be thirteen years, uh-huh. and um, and I think, and I was in, I played in uh, Suicidal Tendencies for nine years, and with Suicidal Tendencies, I think we made a, I want to say about ten records. Or something mm-hmm. <laughs> right so you nine years 10 records you know <laughs> but in, in, yeah 13 years one and a half records one, <laughs> <laughs> oh the lulu two and a half records there you go <laughs> how was it doing uh glastonbury last year there was a big brouhaha from the um the uh the indie rockers they're like metallica right. can't play right. glastonbury and you guys had an amazing opening video as well which was hilarious you know uh, it, it Always embrace the challenge. That's yeah. what I say. And um, and the great thing about Metallica, whether it's making an album with Lou Reed or with an orchestra, or you know, we we did um, we we performed one on the Grammys with with Long Long. That was you know, crazy. Yeah. yeah, piano player. Yeah, exactly. The Chinese guy or something. Yeah, yeah. He really, really, really amazing uh, pianist. And you know it's it's part of the journey metallic is not afraid to try different things and and uh take on challenges you know so you know you again you know you just embrace it all and and uh 
and hit it, you know. It was great because I think there was some kind of issue because James had narrated something about bear hunting or something, so all the right. hunters were angry at you. Yeah, well, no, no, all the non-hunters, non-hunters were, right. were angry. Yeah, I mean... Um, but that opening video was amazing from Glastonbury. It was funny, you know, and we didn't, you know, you don't know how it's going to be taken, yeah. you know, but everybody loved it. And I think it eases the tension and right. kind of like, you know, it's like, okay, look, we're we're here for music and we're, you know, we feel like we can do a great job for these people and uh, and they can, I think once once the band starts playing live and everything... No, even if you hate the band initially, you know you go. You, at least there's some respect there. You most people feel that, and they're like, "Oh, okay, these guys are cool." Yeah, the energy's there. Yeah, the energy's there, and in uh, the, the heart and the passion in what we do. And how can you deny that, man? You gotta. You yeah, know, it's like embrace it. And the the quick story was that uh, you guys had a video of a fox hunt. And, and then right. the fox goes into a, a forest and then bears come out and start shooting the hunters and then the bears take off their masks and it's Metallica. That's right. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. So great. But that happened this year with ACDC at Coachella. People, ACDC at Coachella, what's going on? Like Kanye West is playing. Then ACDC comes out and just destroys everybody yeah. because whether you like them or not, the energy is there. You, you know, new fans. You that's know? right. New fans. Win them over. <laughs> well, and, and you're talking about live and I know you've got the big premiere for the Jocko movie. Uh, it's November 22nd. But you guys are doing a live jam at that, and, and tell tell us about this. Right on November twenty second at the Ace Theater in uh, downtown Los Angeles. Is that a new place? It's 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 been there probably since the twenties. Mary Pickford, who was a you know legendary actress from way back in the day, you know Charlie Chaplin yeah, era, the 20s, all that. Yeah. You know she commissioned this beautiful theater, which is incredible. It is hands down the most beautiful theater. Um, one of the most I've ever seen, but definitely in in California, it's it's just phenomenal. And to have this film screen there was just a dream for me because I remember a year ago going there and and seeing a a film and just thinking this is where I would love to do this, but thinking how difficult it would be for that to happen. So there was a show at the Hollywood Bowl where um, we we. Uh, it was a big band that performed Jocko's compositions, and I got up and played, and Felix Pastorius, um, Jocko's son, played as well. And a lot of his the musicians that he actually played with were on that stage, so it was really amazing, like Herbie Hancock and Wayne Shorter, and wow. Booker T was even there from Booker T and the MGs. It was, you know, Peter Erskine, tremendous drummer. It was just really, really beautiful to see. But... um the, you know the, the 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 manager from the Ace Theater approached me and handed me his card and said we'd love to do an event for Jocko. Wow! And it was kind of like wow because I was dreaming about this <laughs> or hoping for it. Yeah. You know when I was at that screening for this other thing, so and that's kind of what's happened along the way. You know, it's been a lot of uh, miraculous sort of things that have happened, like Joni Mitchell coming on board year four into production. Jerry Jamat coming on board three and a half years. I didn't, I didn't even know Jerry Jamat was alive. Jerry Jamat was Jocko's he? favorite bass player. He was he played on The Thrill Is Gone, BB King. Oh, okay. Played with King Curtis, Aretha Franklin, even Mr. Bojangles. The song, but yeah, he was the bass <laughs> He's player. One of those on that. guys, yeah. yeah. Played with you know, came up with Dwayne Allman on um, the Muscle Shoals. Uh, oh, he was a part of that okay. original. Um, rhythm section in that team with uh, Dwayne Allman before the Allman brothers. So he's a legend and he moved to LA like 
you know, just again, it was like a miracle. Didn't even know he was alive, and and he joins the team. So the um, things like that happening have, have been amazing. And with the Ace, we're going to have we're going to screen the film, um, it, premiere the film, I should say, and that would be probably around seven p.m. And then we're going to have a, a live music show uh, with some guests uh, like. Billy Idol and uh, oh wow, Flea and uh, playing um, Jocko stuff or just no. Jam? Well, we're gonna do we're gonna do we're gonna play some of Jocko's stuff and then we're gonna play stuff that you know like Jocko loved Jimi Hendrix, gotcha. so we're gonna play Jimi Hendrix. We're gonna he loved you know funky R and B. That's was like his first love. So we're bringing all that into the mix. So we're kind of covering it all. That's and great. we've done this in the past. We did it in Asbury Park, New Jersey, and it was a huge success. Um, the Hollywood Bowl was more uh, in the big band jazz realm, and that was a huge success in San Francisco with Kirk Hammett and Mike Borden, and in in you know another strong contingent. We did the same thing; it was an overall celebration, and that's what we're bringing to LA um, on the twenty second at the Ace Theater. Is Brooks playing with you on that too? Yes, he is. All right, yeah. the return of yeah. the Mad Rhythm section. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I went to uh, see. Remember the Anvil documentary? Yeah. They had that at the Egyptian Theater, and Anvil played afterwards, and it worked great. And the best yeah. thing was Dustin Hoffman, for some reason, went to the Anvil. He was sitting in front of me, and he was crying. Like, he had a tear in his eye because it's a really sad story. Oh, yeah. And at the end, Anvil busts out with their big hit 666. Uh-huh. Dustin Hoffman standing up, right, <laughs> banging right. his head in the air. And I was like, oh, this is great. You can only see this in Hollywood, right? That's it. <laughs> so that's great. So November 22nd, and then uh, the DVD comes on the 27th, and we'll announce all this beforehand. Mm-hmm. But, um, I mean, you did it, man. I mean, it's pretty crazy. After all these years, it's finally coming out. It's so exciting. Yeah. I'm, again, you know, I'm, I, I can't believe it. It's a bit of a miracle because the journey has been long. And, and as Chloe will even tell you, it, it's, it's, it, it's yeah. time-consuming. You know, sure. there's, there's a lot involved. He's yeah. tired. He got yeah. more gray. The hair like this. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, we did a. Eyebrows like that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, spider eyebrows, yeah. gray hairs. <laughs> yeah. yeah, when you started, you had jet black hair. Now I it's know. gray all over the place, right? No wrinkles. Well, <laughs> some. <laughs> some of that's from Metallica too. You gotta, yeah, you know, dealing with James the, and Lars. You know, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know. But what? You know, it, it's a series of challenges. The other night we had a huge premiere in uh, in uh, Fort Lauderdale, Florida, which is where Jocko was from, where he grew mm-hmm. up. And um, and I tell you, that's a, that's a tough tough group of people. You know, it was over fifteen hundred people there, and they were there. Let's check this out. We want to see what's going on with our man Jocko. Arms and, crossed. Oh yeah. And <laughs> by the end of the night, I mean after the. Sh- the 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 premiere they were hugging me and thanking me and and it was just really beautiful to see it was almost like a reunion with all these people with the the family and his friends and the musicians from uh, the area where he came from and that made me feel really good and that's what it's all about you know like i said making a documentary film is charitable you're you're taking time passion effort and money and again complimenting my film team uh paul marchand uh, even stephen kayak who was there uh for over a year it did most of the interviews you know you get in the trenches on this thing and 
it's not easy. So I have to thank everyone, even Brian Risner, who is our who is Jocko's original sound man, front house mm-hmm. sound man with Weather Report. He did all the uh, the sound design for this film, and you know, and again, taking time from their their day gigs to do this yeah. to do this, you know, to help and uh, and uh, get this finished. So it, it's uh, yeah. It's great, and um, two, two I'm last so two last questions. Mm-hmm. Um, were you actually there with for the Sting interview? The Sting interview, I was not okay. there for. Yeah, I was on tour. When that How did you access Sting? Well, Sting was uh, connected to uh, I, Passion Pictures, who was involved in the production of this, had interviewed Sting for something else before. Um, it might have been the Scott Walker 30th Century uh, Man documentary film that Stephen Kayak had. Uh, directed before so um so there was a connection there mm-hmm. and and again sting's not going to take on any interview but he <laughs> right. loves jocko and he was friends with jocko and jocko had a lot of friends i gotta tell you this story frankie benelli from quiet riot Great we guy. had we had a screening at the arc light this guy comes up to me i never met him and he's like you know really very well groomed um ageless looking rock god (laughs) you know but he comes up to me and he says my name is frankie benelli i play in quiet riot just want you to know and he's looking me in the eye and he's very passionate he said jocko was my friend i used to work in a record shop in florida he would come in and hang out with me sometimes he'd try to try to take his records (laughs) you know like steal them or something but and and then he said he would bring me mangoes he would take me you know he would make me go to the beach with him to go play volleyball come on man we're gonna go play volleyball and and he really you could tell there was an amazing connection between those two guys matt sorum had some stories I even they got Michael Olago who signed Metallica. He signed Fozzie too. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He was telling me, you know, he had a, a, a story about Jocko as well in New York City, you know. And Jocko took a shower in his house and, and it was like because he was, you know, it, I mean, it's just incredible. You know, I'm thinking. It's a lot of people. A lot of people. Yeah, yeah. So there's a lot of passion, you know, all around for this. So last question, what's your favorite Jocko song if someone wants to hear the brilliance of Jocko Pistorius? Well, um, there, that's a hard question because, you know, you take a song like Come On, Come Over, which was, a, to me, is an R&B, you know, classic, really a funkified tune beyond. He could have made a whole album that way, and, and he just had that one track, and he had such a diverse variety on his albums, you know. That's what inspired Infectious Grooves is we would try to be diverse and not really cater to one one dimensional. Mm-hmm. And but he went really beyond that in, in terms of jazz and some classical and some Beatles elements in in his uh, in his songs. So um, that one's is, is one of my favorites because everybody loves that. But for bass, um, there's a song called Portrait of Tracy where it's a composition that's created around harmonics. And harmonics are those little kind of bell-sounding notes that you pluck mm-hmm. if you subtly hit a, hit hit the string, and it's almost like chimes mm-hmm. or something. Boom, you know? bing, yeah, bing. and he yeah. wrote a song, a composition called "Portrait of Tracy." Check it out. When I first heard that song, it was like hearing Eddie Van Halen's "Eruption" for right. the first time. What instrument is that? Because I don't know what it is, <laughs> but is I like that? it. Yeah. yeah. Cool, Robert. It's great having you back, man. And congratulations. Congratulations. Right on. Jocko. It's the movie. All right. Thank you so much. Appreciate this. Thanks, dude. All right.
And the final question is, Ty, what's your favorite Metallica song? Oh, uh, that's a hard one. Can you pick a couple? Fight Fire with Fire, Leopard Messiah. Wow. You like yeah. the older tracks, huh? Yeah. And Orion. Orion. Can you play Orion? Only a uh, part of Orion. Who's your favorite band? Well, that's very hard. Who's your couple of your favorite bands? I'm into Alice in Chains. I'm into... I love how much he's thinking about it. Oh, Death. I'm into Death, too. Oh, Death. Wow. <laughs> Chuck Schuldner. Florida. Yeah. All right, man. So he's going to be the man to save rock and roll here. I'm into Black Sabbath. I'm into Metallica. I'm into Suicidal Tendencies. I'm into... <laughs> That's pretty cool. <laughs> it's pretty cool that your dad's in Metallica and Suicidal Tendencies, too, right? Yeah. <laughs> All right, bud. All right. <laughs> The Trujillos are one creatively talented family, and I'll tell you what, uh, Rob's son Ty is carrying the rock torch. His band, The Helmets, are already playing gigs, and Robert's wife, Chloe, is a super talented artist. She does original artwork on surfboards, scarves, and handbags. Check out her stuff at ChloeTrujillo.com. That's C-H-L-O-E Trujillo.com. And let me give you all the Jocko documentary details one more time. The soundtrack album, which features that amazing performance from Mass Mental, Rob Trujillo, Flea, Whitfield Crane, Stephen Perkins, filling in for regular Mass Mental drummer Brooks Wackerman, who's now with Avenged Sevenfold. You found that out here on Talk is Jericho. It's coming out on Black Friday, Record Store Day, November 27th. You'll also be able to get a DVD copy of the Jocko documentary on the 27th as well. The Jocko doc will be out on video on demand on December 1st, but... If you live in Los Angeles and want to see it in the theater, it's premiering at the Ace Theater on November 22nd, this Sunday night. You'll get to see the documentary and then the special concert afterwards with Rob Trujillo and some special friends following the screening. Still a few tickets left. Go to acehotel.com to pick them up, all right? The Trujillo's wonderful family. I'll tell you what, they should enter a Guinness Book of World Records on the family with the longest hair. Between Rob and Chloe and Ty and Lula, they probably got, I'd say, at least 30 feet of hair between the four of them. The best hair family I've ever seen in my life ever. All right? You heard it here first. So Guinness Book of Records, if you're listening, I got, a, uh, I got, I got something for you. All right. So I'm in Europe. All right? I'm in uh, Hamburg, Germany right now. By the time you hear this, the show in Hamburg will be done. Berlin, Germany is tonight, Wednesday night. Headed to Ludwigsburg tomorrow. I'm here with Fozzie. We're doing the Cinderblock Party Tour with Nonpoint and Sumo Psycho. Both those bands are so great. Uh, very, very cool. I was actually up in the lounge having some, uh, some cocktails the other night with the... Um, non-point guys and they had brought up a six-pack of beer and while we we're sitting there a spider just came crawling out of the six-pack and we all freaked out and we're like ah and we stepped on the spider and then we looked inside the beer cans there was a giant web on one of the beer cans it's called a web can now what kind of a monster spider is spinning webs on an aluminum can you can't even put a piece of tape on one of those things and it falls off. So we had some kind of uh, Austrian super Schwarzenegger spider. Uh, the stuff you uh, <laughs> you experience on the road, I'll tell you. But the tour continues. It's been a blast so far. Uh, we just got started. We're hitting France on Friday. We're doing Valreal, uh, which is close to Paris. That show will go on. We're going to rock for Paris. Uh, condolences to everybody who was injured, uh, wounded, and murdered in the terrorist attacks. We're not going to let those bastards uh, get us down. Uh, we're going to rock for Paris on Friday, and we're going to do it for the people uh, who, who, who got hurt and who lost their lives uh, at the rock show um, the other night for the Eagles of Death Metal show. Uh, quick prayer for all those people.
All right, so we're going to be there. We're going to come play. I don't care if one person shows up. We're doing this show for freedom, okay? We're doing it for the people of Paris and the people of France. Uh, then we got Luxembourg, Cologne, Reading, Tunbridge Wells, London, Manchester, Chester, Southampton, Birmingham, Cambridge, Newcastle, Nottingham, Sheffield, wrapping things up December 6th at Planet Rockstock in Treco Bay, Wales. Fozzyrock.com, all cities, venues, and ticket information, and VIP. Don't forget, we're doing a private mini concert before every show uh, for the VIPs as well as a Q&A. So come check that out. You're going to love it. One, one big last thank you to all the Talk is Jericho supporters. You guys who download Talk is Jericho twice a week for free, which you're able to do thanks to the great Talk is Jericho sponsors. Uh, like me, Undies. Don't forget, use my promo code Jericho. You get 20% off your first purchase. DollarShaveClub.com slash Jericho. DDP Yoga. Tweet your DDP Yoga story to Talk is Jericho at Talk is Jericho for a chance to win a DDP Yoga program signed by Down Dallas Page. True Car, of course, and Amazon. Use those links whenever you do any online shopping. You know where to find them. Podcast1.com. Click on the Supporter Show Sponsors banner at the top of the page. Then hit the Talk is Jericho button. I got Amazon links for the USA, the UK, the Canada A. Every time you use them, Talk is Jericho, Amazon links. Amazon kicks back a small percentage to the show to help us cover production costs. Won't cost you anything extra. No hidden fees or extra charges. Just get what you want or need and help out Talk is Jericho in the process. All right. Thank you so much. Stay hard. Stay hungry. Peace, love, and hugs. Thanks to the Trujillo family. Thanks to Doc McGee last week. Some great rock and roll stories. Motley Crue's to biting Eddie Van Halen, starting a brawl between Eddie and uh, ACDC and Motley Crue. Like, what? Great stories. Ace Frehley getting shot by an Uzi, a.k.a. some uh, shrapnel, plastic shrapnel from a uh, a pellet gun. No, a a paint gun. Crazy, crazy stuff. But also, this Friday, on the verge of Survivor Series, one of the main members of the Wyatt family, Luke Harper, will be here. So come on back. Got some wrestling for you on Friday. WWE superstar and member of the Wyatt family, Luke Harper, will be here. We'll see you then. The yeah, boy. You can download new episodes of Talk is Jericho every Wednesday and Friday at podcast1.com. That's podcastone.com.